0: Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Gethsemane would be the place of preparation for the ultimate conflict that had started in another garden many, many years before. There in the the Garden of Eden, that's where the war began. There among God's glorious new creation. And it would not be fought between man and Satan, but between man and God. Not that Satan was an innocent party to that opening shot, But the trigger had been pulled by man, not by him. This was the first battle. And it was a battle that led man to a tree. Not to overcome sin, but to introduce it into God's perfect creation. From that moment on, the war would would rage. God on one side man and Satan on the other. And across time, there would be many battles, but none as important as the one that played out on that day, the one that started it all. Not a single one would be more important until the night in Gethsemane. That night the disciples slept, exhausted with worry and despair over the predictions that Jesus had foretold. And while they slept, Jesus prepared for a battle that would end the war. This would be the most important battle across all time. It would be a battle not against God and man, but against God and Satan. It would be a battle for the eternal soul of mankind. And it would lay claim to that soul. It would reclaim that soul back to its rightful owner. This is what was on the line. This is what Jesus was preparing for. And his battle cry was this. Father, if it be possible... Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Now to the world, this battle cry would be a battle cry of weakness, even of fear. It's something that man would strike out of the history books. For it has no place upon the lips of heroes as they ride into war. But Jesus, he was not of this world, but instead the creator of it. He was not preparing for any battle. He was preparing for the battle. And it would be a fight that would take him to the tree. But unlike Adam, It would not introduce sin, but overcome it, defeat it. He would travel not to pick fruit, but become the fruit. The fruit that would nourish and forgive the souls of all who believed. He would become the fruit that didn't bring death, but instead brought life. Not my will, but yours be done. This was the battle cry of Jesus. And it stood in direct opposition to that first battle cry that sprang from the lips of man. Not your will, but mine be done. And that night, the disciples slept. Unaware of What lay on the line for them unaware of the strength that was on display through the bloody sweat of their master Jesus in their midst was the ultimate warrior dressed in the armor of obedience armed with the shield of complete trust in the father Jesus would go where his father led him even death, But it was not just death that he would experience, but judgment for the sins of the world. He would feel the separation that only he could bear. He would see God's face turn from him as he drank from the cup of God's judgment. Let this cup pass, he would pray, but he would know that it would not. It could not. And he knew that it must not. For if God were to be victorious, if God were to reclaim his prize, Jesus would have to enter into the battle. And Jesus wanted to. He wanted to with all of his strength and all of his might. He wanted to with all of his love. And so he did, willingly. He drank from the cup of God's wrath. And that night, Jesus prepared. And the disciples slept. Their spirit willing, but their flesh weak. And this was a battle only Jesus could fight. And so he didn't call Peter or the other disciples to follow him. He didn't include them in his battle cry or in his preparations. The blood to be shed was Christ's blood alone. He was to be the only sacrifice, offered up for the sins of the entire world. And so he prayed to his Father for strength. He prayed because the path out of the garden would be one that he would walk alone. His disciples would desert Him and His Father would separate Himself from Him. But what about us? Do we sleep in the Garden of Gethsemane? Do we sleep like the disciples? That night, they didn't understand the prophecies of Jesus, and so they were exhausted with worry. They hadn't let yet lived beyond the cross or Christ's resurrection. They were still in the garden, still fighting a battle that they were even unaware that they were waging. They were unaware that they were fighting God. Unaware that what they were fighting for was a prize of damnation that awaited them if they won. And eventually they would come to understand that. And through that understanding, they would leave the garden and they would live in the knowledge of Christ's work. They would carry the message of victory to the four corners of the earth. And their battle cry would be one of good news, of death and resurrection. The battles that they would fight would be fought in the realization that the war had already been won and that they had been reclaimed by their Creator. And they would walk gladly to their graves for they would know that death would no longer await them, but instead everlasting life with Jesus. But tonight... They didn't know any of that. And so tonight, they slept. So I ask again, what of us? Are we telling ourselves that that we're not sleeping? Are we telling ourselves that we're acting more like Jesus than the disciples? That we are imitating Christ through our prayer life? Now make no mistake... This passage that we read tonight is not a call to imitate Christ. It is not to present a model for us to follow because we cannot follow. If we could, then what good is Jesus? This passage is about a declaration of war, a show of strength from the Lord Our God. Where we are weak, God is strong. Where we have failed, God has won. Jesus does not ask us to follow as he prepares to travel the road through hell to victory. That is his to travel alone. It's his fight to fight alone. And it's his to win alone. Now the cross that he calls us to bear is not his cross, but the cross that he gives us. For what he bears, we cannot. As strong as we want to be, as strong as we tell ourselves that we are, we are more like Peter than Jesus you recall this event? It happens right before the passage that we read. Jesus said to them, You will fall away because of me this night. Peter answered him, Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. And Jesus said to him, Truly, I tell you this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. Peter stood tall. He stood confident. But you know what happens next. You see, his voice was bold, but his body was weak. And we are like Peter. We stand firm firm in our faith. We stand bold in our confidence, but it so quickly comes tumbling down to the ground in times of struggle. We exhaust ourselves in worry. We flee from God's promise of protection. Our voice is bold, but our body is weak. But where we are weak, Jesus is strong. And it is in His strength that we experience victory. So I ask a third time, what of us? Where are we living? Are we still in the garden, asleep? Are we still living like Jesus is still preparing for battle are we worried about tomorrow unsure about the work of Christ are we unsure about what will happen to us because of our association with him are we ready to flee him and run to ourselves as the enemies approach why why do we remain in the garden and not live on the other side of the sacrifice. Jesus has died. Jesus has risen. He has won. Wake up. Pack up your things and leave the garden. For there's nothing there to stay for. The garden is empty. The war has been won. There's nothing left to worry about. Live. Live in the freedom that you have received. See, our Lord Jesus Christ, He has suffered. He has died for our sins. God has entered into His creation to fix what we have broken to fix all that we have broken he's not selective in what he repairs your sins have not been excluded because they are unforgivable they've been included in his sacrifice so that they can be forgiven so turn it all over to him withhold nothing For by doing so, you diminish the sacrifice that he paid to win you back. Now, Why would you do that? Not my will, but yours be done, he prayed to God. And God's will was that your sins, every single one of them, would be forgiven. Jesus offered His body as a living sacrifice to fulfill God's will. So why would we want to minimize that? See, this is how God loved the world. That He gave Jesus as a sacrifice for you, for me, so that you would not perish, but share eternal life with God. So why then? Why would we stay in the garden? Go. Go live in the freedom. Go live in the freedom of the victory that He has won for you. Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim His name. Make known among the nations what He has done. Please pray with me. I'll praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered us with kindness, along with all wisdom and understanding. Amen.